Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Fifty years after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., just one in ten African Americans think the United States has achieved all or most of the goals of the civil rights movement. Americans overall are only slightly more optimistic. That's according to a recent poll by the Associated Press and NORC Center for Public Affairs Research. Today, on the 50th anniversary of Dr. King's death, we'll talk about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his legacy, and the future of the ideals he so eloquently articulated and strove for. Later in the program, we'll uh, be joined from Memphis by Jason Gilmore, USU Assistant Professor of Communication Studies. Uh, He's going to call in. He's uh, there in uh, Memphis with some students as a part of King's Road, 2018 USU Civil Rights Pilgrimage. Uh, and our guest for the hour is Dr. Forrest C. Crawford, professor of teacher education at Weber State University. He is a founder of Utah's Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission, uh, has lived in Utah since 1972, originally from Oklahoma, where he grew up in a largely segregated community, attended segregated schools and churches. And uh, Dr. Crawford is going to reflect on uh, Dr. King. Uh, Dr. Crawford has worked at Weber State University for 41 years. He co-founded and helped establish a number of organizations like the Weber State University Native American Symposium, Delta Sigma Theta, a professional society for African-American women, and the state Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission. He's presented papers and lectured worldwide, was elected Secretary General for the International Society for Teacher Education. He's a notable voice in Utah education and civic life. And uh, it's a pleasure for us to welcome uh, Dr. Crawford to the program. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. So we're going to do some specifics. Uh, we'll set the scene, hopefully, as uh, Professor Gilmore calls in from Memphis. I just wanted to uh, start the conversation with, with your general thoughts. This is the 50th anniversary now of that uh, momentous uh, moment in Memphis, um, 1968. Uh, your thoughts, I guess, maybe go to the past, present, and future. Where, where do your thoughts go as you think about this anniversary? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that question. Well, you know, um, a fiftieth anniversary, uh, I think, is a is a, a perfect way, really, to for all of us to to stop, pause, and reflect, and to see where our progress has really taken us over the years. Um, as I think about The time that has passed since his death, um, it's I feel uh, very surreal about the awesome task of how far we need to go, but at the same time, on reflection how significant Dr. King's life and legacy really was. I, I, I mean, I think that at the time that he was was uh, acting uh, in, the commu- in various communities, that um, uh, a lot of us took for granted that, you know, he was just part of among many uh, men and women who were uh, uh, being uh, civically defiant, you know, uh, against um, Jim Crow, and and so I think what fifty years 
uh, and my hope uh, should do throughout the day is to help us to understand in reality how important this great American was to democracy. I want to talk a little bit about, about your background. You were uh, raised in Oklahoma? I was raised in Oklahoma, actually a little little uh, 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 town right outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Sand Springs. And um, this community, as you had mentioned earlier, was largely a segregated community. So I actually uh, grew up in my early years, uh, you know, going to an all-black school, Booker T. Washington, um, uh, neighborhood school, uh, you know, went to a, uh, a predominantly uh, African-American church, uh, and the community that we lived in was was largely reflective of uh, black life uh, during that time. So we were uh, well entrenched in um, some of the national uh, uh, activity that was uh, uh, taking place, you know, during that time. Uh, my uh, parents and certainly my older brothers and sisters were very much uh, uh, activists and uh, understood even more so uh, uh, what was going on and their uh, involvement and, and role in, in the uh, civil rights movement of the time. I think, uh, as I recall, I was roughly about a sophomore, junior or so in in high school uh, uh, when uh, uh, King was at the height of, of his uh, activism. And so we knew about King. We didn't learn as much about King in high school, uh, but where, you know, we uh, actually got received what I always refer to as, as our truth-telling, uh, we always got our truth-telling actually from the church. You know, that's where uh, the local uh, black uh, ministers felt the most comfortable in sharing uh, the um, uh, the raw, uh, 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 you know, uh, the, the raw experiences that was going on uh, that was uh, ultimately impacting our local community, but certainly the national. That's interesting. The the truth telling the, the the ministers felt in church felt most comfortable um, opening up. Uh, I wonder what the what would the coverage have been in the the town newspaper? Would it uh, maybe been different? Uh, you're asking whether the town newspaper would treat it different. Uh, yeah, about the civil rights movement. Would would were they? Um, I, I oh, guess yeah. there'd be a different slant on things. Okay, I see what you're asking. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think that the paper, and, and I mean, I stand corrected on it because I'm just trying to uh, reflect back whether the, the, the local paper, for example, you know, uh, you know covered uh, such an event, and I believe they did. Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, sometimes the, 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 the difference is the depth and breadth of, of passion for how people were translating um, uh, 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 the civil rights activism uh, 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 of the time. Uh, and so it was more uh, meaningful for us, for example, because 
Dr. King was our voice. He was our identity. He did articulate in a clear and compassionate uh, and passionate uh, manner uh, how America ought to be. I, I believe that that his legacy legacy really was about how America ought to be, and and uh, they interpreted it as communism. They interpreted it as as, as radicalism, and, and, and maybe there was some combinations of those things therein. But but I think that ultimately, when you step back and look at the larger picture, he was really. Um, uh, putting democracy uh, up to the face of Americans, saying we can do better and we can be better. Yeah, you, you raise a good point. At least looking back, uh, you know, 50 years later, uh, we're, we've been hearing a lot of, the, of his speeches as we approach the, the anniversary. Um, you know, very eloquent, articulate but it's, uh, you know, it, it, today listening to that, it's irresistible. And I think in part because of what you said, he's, he's just articulating the American ideal and pointing out that we, we haven't yet reached it. Oh, oh absolutely. And, and, and uh, I, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, uh, Dr. King and his, uh, for lack of a better word, gospel uh, uh, radicalism, because I say gospel radicalism because he really embedded his activism uh, in uh, the the Christian faith and the Christian belief system. Because think about it, uh, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King really was Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. So so he was he was a pastor before he was anything else. And so part of what he was able to do is to really. Um, uh, entangle, for the lack of a better word, to entangle the uh, virtues of Christian uh, belief and spirituality uh, uh, into the notion of of emancipation uh, and 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 how uh, uh, you know uh, uh, you know Christ as a a uh, uh, an example for how we ought to transform our own uh, communities, our own lives, and be more uh, humane with each other. Mm. Uh, so I'm wondering what, what the you, you say you, your family, uh, some members of your family were involved in, uh, in you know, activism and, and such. What were the issues there in Oklahoma? Were they similar to the issues nationwide? What, uh, what were you fighting for? Right, similar similar to some of the uh, issues that were national, but on the on the local level, what I remember uh, most was the the searing um, um, uh, 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 you know the the searing reality of of segregation uh, in, in that community that Booker T. Washington neighborhood school. Uh, at that time, um, that you know, we were dealing with uh, uh, you know secondhand books, secondhand band equipment, secondhand uh, uh, laboratory uh, uh, equipment, and so forth and so on. In other words, we uh, felt the full, the full sting of Jim 
Crowism in Sand Springs, uh, Oklahoma. Um, now, while some of that may have been uh, up on reflection, a kind of benign neglect where uh, the, the, uh, some of the, the larger community, um, you know, didn't really feel the sting of segregation in the same way uh, that we did. In other words, uh, they felt like that, you know, uh, as, as long as the black community is getting along uh, with everybody else and, and uh, that we really don't have the problems here. So in other words, my point is that they were really not treating in a sincere and authentic manner the reality of, of, uh, of the sting of segregating conditions. Mm. What, uh, what were your feelings, what's your memory of, uh, of the, the assassination? You'd, uh, you would have been a teenager, I think. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I mean, I, I, I think as much as I can remember about it, that, uh, uh, you know, I, I might have been just returning home from a, 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 a track meet or track practice or something like that, and 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 I and and of course it it had hit the black community in a profound way, uh, where they were saying that Dr. King was killed. I remember my mother uh, and some of her friends talking about it at the time. But uh, what I what I remembered as much as I can remember is first of all feeling real tense about the situation, you know, uh, that, that there, that there was a really, uh, 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 thick sense of resentment in the air. And then, uh, I remember feeling fear, you know, what was going to happen to our leaders in our own community? What was going to happen to, uh, uh happen to the national leaders who had emerged as our voice, uh, at the national level, but then I also remembered feeling angry uh, that it wasn't right that they had to take this man of God who spoke of uh, of spiritually uplifting communities, but also spoke about America's greater self that we had largely um, uh, disconnected from and compartmentalized uh, in a way that, that they were saying that uh, this is who you are, this is your community, versus this is who we are, and this is our community. So we conveniently sort of disconnected ourselves from the, uh, the uh, 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 rhetoric of what uh, uh, democratic life should be about uh, in our Constitution. If we look back on history, you know, it's this temptation to see it as linear, as inevitable, but of course it's not. Um, and looking back, at least this is my perspective, you, you've, at least in comparison to other parts of the movement, Malcolm X and others that came later, uh, Dr. King was, uh, you know, not radical, but of course he was seen in some circles as very radical. And I, I want to, uh, I want to quote you. We're talking with Forrest Crawford from Weber State University. Um, on the program today, anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, death in Memphis. Uh, and later on, we're going to be uh, joined, hopefully, by uh, uh, Jason Gilmore from USU. He's in Memphis. 
Um, but uh, I'm looking at uh, thehistorymakers.org, which uh, touts itself as the nation's largest African-American video oral history collection. You can uh, look them up and look at uh, Dr. Crawford's interview with them. And uh, they have a section of favorites, and you uh, list your favorite quote, Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never has, and it never will. It's, it's one of my uh, 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 favorites um, uh, because uh, uh, Frederick Douglass, who's one of the uh, uh, great abolitionists uh, of the time, uh, was helping us to understand that, you know, if we want to change our conditions, if we want to change our culture, if we want to change society, that part of uh, what we have to do is to engage ourselves in a struggle. And and in that quote, in, uh, it says that, that, you know, whenever you want change, uh, that, that struggle goes with that change, whether it's a moral struggle, you know, whether, uh, you know, um, whether there is a cultural struggle, uh, uh, you know, anytime there is a struggle, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, for for change, you know, there there has to be, uh, you know, some kind of a uh, of anguish uh, of and, and growth that goes along with that. And so, if you want power, the power uh, to be able to make decisions to change your conditions that part of what you're going to have to do is to participate in the pain of, of, of making that change happen. And that's why he goes on to say in that quote that, that power concedes nothing, that, that, that uh, you don't make a change uh, 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 unless you act and, 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 and be deliberate about, you know, what you want to, to, happen, what you want to happen different. Uh, so when, when he says that power sees nothing without a demand uh, that ultimately what he's saying that not only do you fight for that power but you demand your conditions to be different than they are uh, and so I, I believe that Frederick Douglass and certainly others throughout history uh, other men and women uh, of, of that struggle during that time had had made uh, uh, equally eloquent eloquent um, uh, uh, assertions about what it is, what it means to uh, uh, to demand your conditions to be different than the present situation that you're in. Let's take a break. When we come back, more with uh, Dr. Forrest Crawford. Um, and we'll be joined uh, shortly by Jason Gilmore, who'll be calling in from uh, Memphis. He and students are at the, uh, I believe they'll be at the uh, the site of the Lorraine Motel there. They're on a civil rights pilgrimage uh, right now. Um, uh, Dr. Crawford is professor of teacher education at Weber State University. He's a founder of Utah's Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission. Uh, and uh, Dr. Crawford, I understand, instrumental in, uh, in, in getting Utah's uh, holiday, right? Martin Luther King Jr., Day. There was a, a lot of us involved in that effort. Certainly, and there was some point people who were uh, probably, uh, I would say, more significant than my role in it. But it was a lot of us that were on Capitol Hill uh, that was lobbying uh, for the 
the the the establishment of the holiday, uh, you know, from that time period, eight uh, nineteen, roughly nineteen eighty six, up until the the early nineties, that you had a significant amount of uh, citizen lobbying efforts that, that was going on, but you had um, uh, uh, individuals like the NAACP as an organization. Uh, that, that took a significant lead in in making sure that the holiday was uh, established, uh, and that that you other you had uh, other notable leaders who were stepping forward uh, to say that uh, uh, Utah uh, ought to be a state that comes into the folds that nationally recognizes the significance of this man's legacy and not relegate him to the fact that King had nothing to do with the state of Utah. And I, one of the things that I was able to do, because uh, I beg to differ, is that there was a, a gentleman, by, uh, he's no longer living now, but he was a professor at University of Utah named uh, Dr. J.D. Williams. I remember going up and interviewing him, oh, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and he had shared with me, and I'm just sharing the short version of this, uh, where Dr. Martin Luther King had actually uh, uh, arrived and, and spent time in, in the state of Utah. Uh, back, uh, back in 1961, he was invited by the, uh, I guess it was the student government at that time of the University of Utah student, student government, and he he uh, actually made a keynote address back in 1961 uh, when he was just emerging as a leader. He 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 was at that time of his life, you know. Uh, I guess he might have been roughly I don't know 25 or so. He, he was, um, uh, you know, really not seeking. Um, uh, Leadership in Southern Christian leadership conference uh, and, and the larger movement. In fact, he was very reluctant about being uh, taking the lead uh, in the civil rights movement uh, uh, of the time. And and uh, but Martin Luther King, yes, he came to the state of Utah, and so uh, uh, you know Utah certainly has. We have our own legacy. Uh, with King, and for that matter, the King family that is, that has visited this state uh, on numerous occasions o o over the years. Just one more question on this before we go to break, uh, because I, I brought it up, um, and you referenced a, a bit of this. Uh, I remember the debate, um, and I, I recall there were there was some pushback. As you, you mentioned, one of the arguments, so, well, Dr. King doesn't have anything to do with Utah, but there were, I think there were there some other arguments that I heard. Uh, one of the arguments I heard, well, Dr. King, you know, had some flaws, <laughs> uh, you know, not a, not a perfect man, so why are we honoring him? And uh, there, there, were, there were several arguments that were articulated against uh, making a, a holiday in, in Dr. King's honor. Yeah, I, and, I, and I recall uh, 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 some of those, but... Uh... Um, it, it, it was almost as if uh, we were, um, you know, treating uh, uh, Dr. King from a, um, you know, very sanctimonious, uh, holier-than-thou 
uh, uh, perspective as, as, it, as if the only way that we could consider him to be uh, a part of American history and a part of Utah history was to make sure that he had no flaws whatsoever. And, and, and you know, I, uh, you know, uh, I, along with others, said that we need to only look at our own history in Utah and the character flaws that, uh, that uh, individuals uh, had uh, who emerged to be uh, 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 great leaders in the democracy and the great leaders of, of, the, uh, of, uh, uh, of establishing Utah as a state. And so, uh, uh, so I guess our, as we were advocating for King to have more of a presence, his legacy that it's to be more of a presence here, that part of what we were saying is that 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 um, that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in his in the totality uh, of who he was and what he stood for um, was uh, larger than even uh, uh, you know than 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 the actual life life that he he, he led. I'm not suggesting that that he was reckless in his life. You know, we the 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 FBI of the time could could tell you a whole lot of what they might have uh, dug up about uh, Martin Luther King, and I, it seemed like to me I think those files might even be open by now. But um, you know, they was digging up a lot of stuff, communism, so forth and so on, on King and many many others during that time. Uh, but part of what our community uh, was interested in is, is, is we were trying to decide who ultimately is able to articulate uh, the, the, the merits of emancipation uh, in a way that the black community and, in fact, the national communities, you know, would, would feel like that they are an equal part of of society. That um, that we understood that historically, that uh, that there were certain times throughout our history where our promises made were not promises kept, and 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 so uh, we arrived at a time with. Dr. King becoming that, uh, that uh, emerging as that central voice, uh, we arrived at a time where we said, you know what, it's time for America to keep its promise that it made. And, 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 and it should not only involve African Americans, but it should involve all citizens, and particularly those that have been marginalized. As we go along, uh, uh, I want to, to take us to the future. And uh, you know, has America's promise been been realized? There's uh, 
there's uh, some pessimism, uh, not only from African-American community, but uh, Americans uh, in, uh, as a whole. We want to, we'll defer the break a little longer because we do have uh, Jason Gilmore on the line uh, with us. Jason Gilmore, you'll recall, is uh, assistant professor uh, of communication studies, and he, along with students, are in Memphis right now on a, on a civil rights pilgrimage. Uh, Jason Gilmore, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. So, uh, what's the scene there? Where where are you? Uh, I am uh, about a half a block from the Lorraine Motel uh, in downtown Memphis, uh, right behind the Civil Rights, the National Civil Rights Museum, uh, and uh, we're just uh, watching as people flood into the scene. Um, yeah. Is is are there events happening, or just people are are gathering because it's the fiftieth anniversary? Yeah, so it's uh, it's definitely an organized event. There are a number of uh, speakers who have already begun. Uh, right now there's a performance of uh, uh, young children who are uh, uh, kind of doing an interpretive dance uh, about unity and inclusion. Um, and throughout the day there will be spoken word, poetry, uh, and a number of other events. Uh, at 6.01 p.m. Uh, here in Memphis there will be a, a joint uh, ringing of the bells. Uh, if For those who don't know, uh, 6.01 p.m. was when Dr. King was shot on April 4th, uh, 1968. Um, and so the city will, actually not just the city of Memphis, although we, we should be able to hear it throughout this city, uh, but cities throughout the country, and I'm guessing throughout the world, uh, will do so as well. And you're there, you're there, uh, Jason, with with some students, right? Um, Correct. This this is a, a civil rights pilgrimage. What do you what do you hope the uh, the students learn, feel, get out of this? Um, you know that's uh, a question I could probably speak to for about three hours. Mm. Um, we come here as uh, student journalists. Uh, we come here as uh, students, all of us, uh, even the professors, um, to take this as a learning moment, as a as a as a time where. Uh, we need to we need to understand the different voices that are being brought to the conversation around issues of civil rights, um, and so the idea is that we we spend time uh, we we speak with people, uh, we work as UPR um, journalists uh, to to hopefully be able to bring back the stories uh, to Utah and beyond. Uh, so again, what's the what's the what's the feeling there? What's the mood of the crowd uh, there at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis? Um, it's just getting started at this point in time. People seem to be uh, there. There's definitely a buzz of excitement uh, as people come in. Um, a number of people are going into the museum, and um, uh, most people are just gathered around and watching the the speakers at this point in time. So it opened up not too long ago. So people are still kind of making their way into downtown. Mm-hmm. You you've been to other places on this pilgrimage, have you? Yes, yeah, so uh, prior to here, uh, we spent time in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, to, to kick off King's Road. That's where we went to the King Center and, and saw his, uh, 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 his birth home, his first church. Um, we went from there into Montgomery, Alabama, which is uh, the start of his career as a civil rights activist, uh, where he took over as the spokesperson of the, of the, uh, the, bus, the Montgomery bus boycotts. Um, and we spent a few days there taking in the, the very difficult history. Uh, you know, Montgomery's a, a 
tough place because it's it's both uh, celebrated by some as the cradle of the Confederacy and celebrated by others as a as a, a, a rallying point for the modern civil rights movement, or at least the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. But the work that's being there done there today is, I would say, continuing that legacy. Um, and then yesterday we spent uh, time in Birmingham, uh, and for those who don't recall uh, the events of Birmingham, that's where they turned uh, fire hoses and attack dogs and uh, children marchers. Um, and then we, uh, we made our way to Memphis. Uh, so this is a, quite the experience, and, and students will be doing reports, uh, your work for, for us at UPR. Thank you so much. Um, one of uh, the students quoted in the in the, the opening piece here, um, Anna Peterson says, the group I want to focus on, she says, is individuals with disabilities. I guess different different things your students want to focus on. Correct. Yeah, in fact, the, the, uh, the, the fact that she is interested in focusing on that uh, specific group kind of speaks to who we are as a group, which is a, a group that understands that civil rights um, is, uh, is an inclusive category, right? Civil right. rights means... Uh, civil rights for everyone, and uh, her focus on uh, on issues of individuals with disabilities um, really kind of gets at part of uh, still an issue as a society that we're, we're grappling with, that we're, we're still figuring out what, uh, um, how to um, refer to ind- individuals with disabilities, incorporate them in society, uh, and break kind of some of the stigmas of the past. And so uh, each of our students is kind of taking on that role of what they're most passionate about um, and uh, focusing on that. Mm. Uh, well, uh, Jason Gilmore, thank you so much. We appreciate you setting the scene there. You're at the Lorraine Motel there at, uh, in, in Memphis. Uh, so uh, there through most of the day in Memphis, will you be? Yeah, so we'll be here. Uh, we'll be here at the events throughout the day. Uh, tonight we're uh, attending what they call an evening of storytelling, um, and many of Dr. King's uh, friends um, and uh, confidants throughout the, the civil rights movement, as well as organizers of movements today, will come together um, and hash out kind of that same question that we're uh, attempting to address in our UPR series, which is where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, so that should be a, a, a spectacular evening. Well, Jason Gilmore, uh, thank you so much for for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thank you so very much. Take care. Bye now. And, in fact, that very question, uh, Dr. Crawford, I want to present to you following a break. Where do we go from here, the future of activism and the future of the civil rights movement? Um, So we have with us for the hour Dr. Forrest Crawford. Uh, We'll uh, take a break when we come back more and invite you to join the conversation at 800-826-1495 or upraccess at gmail.com. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and City Weekly, a local independent news source with event listings, entertainment picks, movie, and restaurant reviews, available weekly on newsstands or online at cityweekly.net. Next time on Ask Me Another, actor Mojan Marno from the series The Blacklist talks about her role as a shadowy FBI operative. I think it's always interesting when you get to play a lot of different shades of a person. So we've seen her for many seasons be very tough and very hard to read. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. Join us Saturday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio.
Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. <clears throat> We're reflecting 50 years after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which happened 50 years ago today. And we've just talked with um, Jason Gilmore, USU Assistant Professor of Communication Studies. He, along with some students, are there at uh, in Memphis at the Lorraine Motel where the assassination took place. They're on a civil rights pilgrimage. Um, And we're reflecting with Dr. Forrest Crawford, professor of teacher education at Weber State University. He's the founder of Utah's Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission um, and uh, important member of the community. He is uh, asks uh, on a regular basis to uh, teach, train and speak throughout the state. He serves on numerous committees and boards. Uh, so, Dr. Crawford, before we get into reflecting on the future, which I'm, I'm sure um, you, you would like to do, I'm curious about uh, what you encountered in Utah. You came from Oklahoma, raised in segregated communities uh, there, and I think you came up to Weber State for as an undergrad, right? Uh, uh, yes, I did. As, as an undergraduate, I transferred actually from a, a junior college uh, to play football for Weber State when, when it was a state college. And uh, so I arrived uh, in Utah um, on the Greyhound bus down on 25th Street. I always uh, like to tell uh, people that my career in Utah started on 25th Street. <laughs> 25th Street, yes. That uh, has a quite a history, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. quite has a, quite a history there. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, I, I was... Um, um, uh, a undergraduate at uh, uh, Weber uh, College at the time, and uh, uh, you know, one of the things that was you know clear to me that being in a predominantly uh, 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 Latter Day Saint um, uh, 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 school, you know. Uh, I had to raise my level of consciousness and awareness about, um, uh, uh, you know, what I was experiencing uh, as an athlete and uh, uh, how I reconciled my uh, a new environment, you know, coming from a uh, segregated community. Um, you know, one of the things that was the unique about that experience is that you know, being an athlete, I think, lends itself to uh, greater opportunities for a sense of connection and sense of community with people from different cultural backgrounds and and geographical regions and so forth and so on. So uh, uh, a lot of uh, the people that I discovered during the time I arrived in Utah were from all over the, the, uh, uh, the U.S. and 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 so in quick order, you know, they were my teammates. And so uh, so I think that my transition into Utah was probably less painful than some other stories that I've heard about. Uh, but also, as I began to uh, navigate and find my sense of place in the state of Utah, and as I continued my uh, education, uh, I never anticipated that I would ultimately end up at, of all places, Brigham Young University, arguably the most conservative, the most white uh, 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 school in the United States of America, you know, trying to earn a doctorate uh, a degree. And so that was a whole 
knew uh, uh, even though I knew I I I was very familiar and very competent about the Latter Day Saint culture and society. Being at BYU was a very very different experience. BYU Provo is uh, unlike any other place in the state of Utah, <laughs> arguably. And uh, so even then, I had to make some. Uh, uh, adjustments, you know, even as a graduate student, saying that, wow, this is a, a, a level of trying to understand this community that uh, I had yet to experience, thinking that I had some reasonable uh, level of competence uh, 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 about the Latter-day Saint society. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, I was able to navigate uh, uh, through that experience and 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 so where I am in my life now is that, you know, I see uh, uh, my traditional, uh, you know, Baptist upbringing and, and, and uh, uh, being a, a intimate part of the Latter-day Saint uh, 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 upbringing and influence and, and community that, uh, you know, uh, you know, I see that, that, uh, that, uh, we care about the same things that that we want to be humane to people. We want people uh, uh, to be able to lift themselves. Uh, and while there are certainly uh, cultural and political differences that oftentimes uh, you know we uh, uh, clash with e- uh, with each other, uh, I think that arguably you know we want to see Utah uh, uh, continue to become a better place than it is even today. And so, yeah, I, uh, my experience in Utah uh, has, it, it was far from traumatizing uh, compared to, you know, even living in my own uh, segregated uh, uh, community, that there was uh, enough trauma in terms of police brutality uh, in terms of drugs, alcohol, uh, uh, even uh, murder, and those kinds of, you know, you grow up around those things, and 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 there there is a a, a hardened sense of how you begin to see uh, your identity within the context of that environment. Um, uh, but you evolve out of that. Uh, in a way where you feel like that uh, you're in a place where you can make a contribution. And, and part of, uh, I, I oftentimes speak of teachable moments to my own students in, in my classroom. That I, I tell them that, you know, you know, uh, you know, trying to make our community in Utah a, a, a diverse and, and, and meaningful community is uh, as part of our democratic uh, struggle is is not a is not a straight and narrow road. That is, it's very jagged, very crooked, and twist and turns, and so forth and so on. But nevertheless, we continue to to, to push forward. Um, uh, you know, despite the fact that we we live in an imperfect union. But if uh, we want to bring people together in harmony, 
that it doesn't automatically happen. We have to make it happen. We have to cultivate it, that we have to uh, uh, do something uh, uh, that allows ourselves to make uh, uh, a more diverse society. Uh, it, it is something that doesn't happen naturally. Uh, uh, and, and so uh, uh, I, I firmly uh, believe the, uh, the ideal that um, um, uh, that despite our uh, living in an imperfect union, that we can still strive to be, uh, 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 you know, perfect, uh, you know, by by uh, making you know making ourselves greater than uh, than what uh, than what we are. I uh, quoted the results of a poll at the top of the program. Uh, I want to quote those again now. Uh, This is from Associated Press and NORC, Center for Public Affairs Research. One in ten African Americans in this poll think the United States has achieved all or most of the goals of the civil rights movement. Americans overall only slightly more optimistic. Think about a quarter of Americans overall. So I wonder, uh, Dr. Crawford, what uh, and maybe thinking about either nationally or in Utah, uh, what's you know where, where's the biggest area of improvement? Do you think that you know we we can think about fair treatment by police by minorities, uh, fair coverage in the media, uh, voting rights, um, you know, uh, housing housing rights? Where where's the biggest problem, and where do we go from here? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that um, um, the, the the students uh, who are, are doing the research on um, um, trying to make sure that they factor in the uh, disability community, I think, is a, a, a significant where do we go from here. And I think that uh, that community continually uh, gets to be marginalized in a, in a way that uh, sometimes is, uh, either we ignore or certainly not apparent. Uh, to us in, in housing uh, situations. Uh, for example, I believe that we should be more uh, inclusive of our, our, our deaf community, that I think that we are missing out significantly on the amount of talent that is in our uh, 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 deaf uh, community, you know, simply because we don't provide the necessary resources that uh, allow them to to uh, to come to full fruition as citizens in, in, in our community. So I think that that part, uh, I'd like to really see that part prosper. Uh, I believe that we still have issues with um, law enforcement, that um, uh, we had law enforcement issues when I was growing up in my community. We have law enforcement issues now, and so it's in a lot of ways, it's not significantly different. And so, but I am glad our state Martin Luther King Commission has been among uh, many of the other organizations that's continuing to have have these conversations with local law enforcement to to try to bring about some uh, uh, some awareness and solutions of how we can uh, uh, get along uh, a lot better. Um, uh, uh, but also, I, I think that uh, what I'm hoping for is, uh, is when you say where do we go from here, that 
I would really like to see uh, the, the students who are actively involved in the uh, contemporary uh, marches and protests that we see today that I hope that they can understand that it's not enough just to stand in the street and, and, and hoop and holler and, and yell, um, you know, call and response type rhetorics that, that what I'm hoping for is that these activisms, these calls uh, uh, to march, uh, really compel uh, our young people to really be able to uh, say, okay, what can we do uh, uh, more meaningful uh, to make our marching in the streets more uh, uh, more significant. Uh, if you think about the students that, you know, march uh, in Birmingham, for example, uh, a lot of people, would, a lot of the scholars would argue that uh, had Martin Luther King not been successful in his Birmingham campaign, that he would have never emerged to the level of leadership that he uh, would have. Um, in fact, uh, what I think about is that I think that that's where King really got his groove in, 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 in Birmingham. That's where he really began to hone in on his philosophy of nonviolence. Uh, he saw where students can make a significant difference in terms of their presence uh, uh, in transforming society. Uh, and, and, and so uh, I just feel like that, 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 that students are a key element in this uh, changing our society. But I, what I don't want to see happen is that we uh, look at these black and white uh, photos and look at um, uh, I have a dream speech and et cetera and just see those as, as uh uh, uh, you know, relics of of the past that that these become uh, uh, reflective reflective pieces that that propel us into into action. We just uh, have uh, uh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, and I was just simply going to say that mm. uh, uh, I hope that what we don't do is to is to treat uh, Martin Luther King and any of the kinds of earlier efforts. Uh, 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 as a nuanced novelty, uh, that uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't want. Uh, uh, my greatest fear is that what we've done is taken Martin Luther King, you know, taking these uh, black and white photos of dogs uh, snipping at the uh, at the students and water holes turned on and so forth. That we look at these. And we take these images for granted, uh, where we say, oh, that was a horrible thing that happened back then. But all of those images have teachable moments. Uh, and so what I hope that we uh, don't do is, is to treat all of these things as uh, uh, nuanced novelties of the past. 
Well, we've uh, reached the, the end of our time. Uh, much more, of course, we could talk about. And uh, a couple things we advertised that we would talk about, but uh, I think it's been a good discussion. Um, and so a discussion for another time, some of those other things. Um, we've been talking with Forrest Crawford, who's professor of teacher education at Weber State University. He's a founder of Utah's Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights uh, Commission. Uh, that, that commission's work is ongoing, Dr. Crawford, I think. Um, yeah, in fact, we have a meeting in uh, about five minutes. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, thank you uh, so much for the conversation on this important uh, anniversary. Thank you, sir, for having me. And we thank uh, Jason Gilmore uh, from USU and his students for sending us reports and for his joining us on the program as well. And we thank you for listening to Access Utah today. I'm Stephen Dubner. On the next Freakonomics Radio, why is it so hard for some CEOs to leave the corner office? I don't want to relax too much because I'm afraid that bad things will happen. We wrap up our CEO series and move on to Chicago and why it matters. And if there's anything we're missing now, it's the middle. You know, what is the middle of America? It's next time on Freakonomics Radio. Join us tomorrow morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, it's music for yoga, hypnotic and mesmerizing music for seeking spiritual enlightenment, improving health, and shedding the stress of the modern world. I'm Rosalie Howarth. Join us for Yoga Around the World on the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Join us Friday night at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Hey, I'm Tom Power. With his old band, The White Stripes, and as a solo artist, Jack White has crafted a pretty proudly old-school image. He bans cell phones at concerts. He makes his own vinyl records. But today you'll hear how he's challenging himself by doing things the new way. Coming up on Q from PRI, Public Radio International. Join us this afternoon at 1 on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR, Logan. KUSK, Vernal. KUSL, Richfield. KUST, Moab. KCEU, Price. KUSU, FM, Logan. Also heard at upr.org.